This series was produced by Reuters Plus. Powerful stories start here. Welcome back to the Financial States of America. I'm Brian Falchuk, author, speaker, and veteran of the financial services industry. And I'm Christian Mitchell, Chief Customer Officer at Northwestern Mutual. In this episode, we're going to be exploring the exciting emerging technologies that are transforming every corner of our lives, finances included. That's right. Artificial intelligence is one of the most buzzworthy phrases of this year, and it's a topic that I'm personally extremely passionate about. My team even thinks I'm obsessed. So I'm really looking forward to diving in. Our guest is Dr. Vasan Dar, professor of the Center for Data Science at the NYU Stern School of Business and founder of SCT Capital Management. Vasant is a fellow podcaster as well, and he hosts Brave New World, which looks at the transformation of humanity by emerging technologies. As we said, AI and machine learning have been dominating headlines recently. For example, ChatGPT garnered a million users in just the first five days after launch, and the attention surrounding generative AI tools like it, more broadly, is immense. Do you think this is justified, Christian? I do think it's justified, Brian. The hype machine is certainly running hot right now, but I believe this is real. As folks learn to use what's already available, Gen AI is really going to reshape our world, not to mention the advancements that seem to be happening literally on a weekly basis. So as we look at financial services, there are a number of very interesting near-term opportunities. AI is going to be able to massively jumpstart content or analytical creation, Virtual subject matter experts, which are AI bots, will be able to assist advisors, service staff, you name it. Wherever there's a large accumulated body of knowledge, the AI is going to be able to serve that up to humans in a really efficient way. AI is going to allow the mass automation of tasks. And what's common across all of these use cases are the benefits are around reducing manual work and deeply improving efficiencies. I get it on the business side, but there's also this intersection with health, with wellness, and wealth to consider. It's something it seems like Northwestern Mutual is probably in the prime position to observe. That's right. AI is going to redefine all of the dimensions you just mentioned. I might just pull on that thread around health and wellness, though. AI-powered innovation, I believe, is going to put humankind at the precipice of fundamentally changing how we think about health and things like mortality. I'll give you a few examples. Autonomous AI-powered vehicles will likely significantly reduce motor vehicle accidents. In fact, recent studies suggest autonomous vehicles will decrease car accidents by 90%. And auto accidents are a big driver of younger age mortality. Another example is for cancer. Non-invasive tests using imaging, saliva, etc. that then rely on insights from AI, I believe will really revolutionize early cancer detection. So as AI gets more sophisticated... It's going to have major impact across the entire healthcare industry, which then, of course, impacts areas like our finances and life insurance. So we really believe at Northwestern Mutual, we have this incredible opportunity to embrace this intersection of health, wellness, and wealth, to harness and partner with AI, to really offer some innovative solutions for our clients that move beyond just point-in-time underwriting of a life insurance policy to something that's much more holistic and drives deep societal value. So Christian... I appreciate all that, and I know there are people who have concerns, right? There are concerns about the ethical use of AI, and they're pushing for there to be industry guardrails put in place around data security, privacy, biases, et cetera. How do you think about that? Brian, it's a great and important question. Companies have to safeguard the trust they've built with customers over years and years and years. Moreover, it's our ethical responsibility. 
we know that customers want to do business with companies they trust, and that can't be taken for granted. And the way that we drive that trust, the way we safeguard that trust is making sure that we have the right governance around all data sets, that we have the right committees that are looking at all of this, that we're adhering to all of the latest regulation on privacy, on cybersecurity, making sure that we're doing all of these, what I would consider table stakes activities around our data. But more broadly than that, the economist in me really looks at the incentives we've put in place for our employees, those that will be making these decisions about the implementation of AI, how models are constructed. Have we put the right incentives in place such that those individuals know and are incented to use this incredibly powerful technology in the right way? Now, companies are gonna answer that challenge in many different ways. For Northwestern Mutual, as a mutual company where our end clients are also our owners, it leads to this really elegant incentive alignment that the models that we create, the, the value those models create will accrue directly to our end clients. I'm really proud of that. Uh, that's one way that we're meeting that challenge, but every company is going to have to grapple th with this in a bespoke way such that doing the right thing with these models becomes the path of least resistance for all the data scientists out there. So Christian, one of the things that I think about is that AIs and, and machine learning, while they're amazing, they can also be kind of soulless or take the human aspect out of it, don't you think? You know, there's times where our finances are more than just being about transactions, but about the people behind those transactions or those decisions. And our financial decisions impact everything from where we live, what schools our kids go to, and just all kinds of choices in our day-to-day -day lives. Can AI truly ever really get that and be that sort of human side of the decision-making? Truly, we don't know where this technology will take us eventually, but I will share my deep conviction that the human touch is going to remain absolutely mission critical. So in the financial services space, we can use AI to deliver great client experiences to make it easier for employees and financial advisors to operate with speed and efficiency. This is the automation I was uh, speaking to earlier. Uh, we can put our advisors in a place to offer customized solutions in the most efficient way possible, uh, to personalize, um, and just make the whole experience of working with a financial advisor much more readily available, easy, frictionless through the AI. So that's that. That's all fine and wonderful. But back to this point on the the criticality of the human interaction, my conviction is. As the coming years unfold, we are all going to be absolutely awash in AI-generated experiences, content, visuals, video, you name it. AI is going to drive so much of what we consume. And in that future, that grass-fed, artisanal human interaction is going to be even more valued, particularly for things like financial decisions that are so deeply personal and emotional. And so I think uh, in a counterintuitive way, AI is going to make certain human interactions even more valuable and important. Well, that's a really fascinating way of thinking about it, Christian. Now I think we should bring in our guest, Professor Vasant Dar. His research focuses on how AI systems are shaping our lives and how we can create technology which will benefit society. And he's credited with bringing machine learning to Wall Street in the 1990s, which I'm definitely interested in knowing more about. Vassal, thanks so much for joining us. As we talked about in the, in the introduction, you helped bring machine learning to Wall Street. And when we think about machine learning, sometimes we think about it as being this new thing. 
But AI systems have actually been around for a lot longer than people realize, haven't they? Yes. I mean, AI has been around for a long time. You know, I, I got into the field in the late 70s, just, you know, watching the system doing medical diagnosis. And it was asking a physician a bunch of questions. And, you know, at one point, the physician said, why are you asking me these questions? And it told the, him why I was asking the questions. And then it arrived at a differential diagnosis. And this was like 1979. I was watching this computer screen. It was connected to a, a machine at Stanford. And I was like, how is this happening? And I said, that's what I want to do. And that's how I got into the field. So, so I, you know, my first exposure to it was 1979. Um, and I've just written a paper called The Paradigm Shifts in AI that talks about how AI has sort of gone through these paradigm shifts and the latest paradigm. Um, so even though it's caught its, you know, even though AI has gotten the world's attention in, in the last six months, thanks to ChatGPT, because now we can talk to a computer like never before, uh, AI has actually been around for a long time. 60 years plus. Basant, one of the things you talked about is the notion of the automated frontier. And I have to say, it's a fascinating term. I'm not sure I'm familiar with it. Can you tell us more about what this automated frontier really is? Okay, so that's really a simple concept that answers the question, when do we trust algorithms with decision making? And it basically depends on two things. It depends on how frequently the machine makes mistakes and the severity of those mistakes. So the automation frontier just expresses a trade-off between how often the machine will be wrong and the consequences of the mistakes. And so a great example, actually, is the recent Wimbledon matches, right, where humans were making the calls, which seems... Um, backwards to me, right? At the US Open, we've switched because Hawkeye is hardly ever wrong. It's accurate to within two millimeters. Um, and so it's really accurate. And so the frontier basically says, um, there's a trade-off, you know, as accuracy decreases, we require the cost of error to be lower as well in order to trust the algorithm. So that's essentially what it expresses. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question to that. Are there situations where maybe the consequences of an incorrect answer or judgment mean that we should never truly depend on AI? Or is the algorithm right so much of the time that the consequences kind of balance out? I trust an algorithm for financial decision-making, even though it's wrong almost half the time, you know, because the cost of error is much lower, right? I mean, I lose money on a trade. I'm not betting the farm on it, right? So the, the, the error costs are low. And so that's, in fact, you know, that's a great illustration of the automation frontier, right? Where... You have the situation where a driverless car rarely makes a mistake, but you don't trust it. But you have a financial algorithm that makes lots of mistakes, but you trust it to make decisions for you because, you know, on average, it's right and the consequences of error are not that great. That's really interesting. I'd like to dive deeper into the topic of AI and financial services. How do you see the financial services landscape changing as the level of adoption increases? I mean, the hedge fund that I started uh, was based on a similar premise that uh, the machine has an ability to assimilate, interpret data in a way that's consistent and better than humans on average, right? So as far as professionals are concerned, you know, that train left the station a long time ago and people started looking at AI. Um, what we're now seeing is sort of more of the diffusion of AI into you know, we'll see more of it in the mainstream, right? So we'll see uh, not just professional investors using it, but, you know, ordinary people. Uh, and and we're seeing that sort of trend in, you know, in the space of robo-advisors, 
that do simple things, right? That say, you know, uh, most people are actually pretty bad in just sort of rebalancing their portfolios. You know, does all the grunt work that humans are not so good at doing, right? And and makes that sort of more accessible to people. So that's what I see happening is that it'll start sort of making its way into the mainstream and into the retail space. So as someone in the financial industry, I'm really interested in this subject. Of course, the more well-off a person is, the more access they typically have to financial tools. But if AI democratizes financial accessibility, will this make things fairer for everybody? So if you have enough money and you're a large enough investor, then you can have access to certain sort of professional programs that have limited capacity, right? That So there are lots of uh, managers out there who... Um, you know, cater to the professional market or family offices of wealthy individuals, right? So they have access to uh, these programs that regular people don't, right? So there's sort of already sort of that's kind of inequality or inequity. Will it get worse in finance? I don't think so. Uh, I think in fact, it's going to be the reverse. I think that gap will narrow because people who've never had access to this technology because they were too small and too inconsequential will now have access to it. In fact, narrows the gap between the haves and the have-nots because the tech becomes more widely available, the intelligence becomes more widely available to the people who have the wherewithal you know, to put it to use or to put it to work in a in a, in a way that is systematic, you know, where they do their homework, they get comfort with the system they build, uh, and they stick with it. So it means different things to different people, but I think it's additive to everyone in this ecosystem. Vasant, do you think there's ever a point in the future where you wouldn't need humans to do the things that you're talking about right now? Like there's so much room for automation. How do you see this playing out in regard to the role of humans versus machines? Great question. Uh, you know, at the moment, I can't see us letting machines just sort of run unfettered, you know, in any area of human activity, right? It's just too risky. Uh, the consequences of error are, are are too high, right? So we, we sort of uh, get more comfort. We get sort of a warmer, fuzzier feeling when there's a human sort of in charge of the ultimate switch. So in the long run, I can imagine areas of activity where, you know, the system is is completely automated. In fact, you know, there's a joke about air traffic control and, you know, human pilots, right? That that the cockpit of the future will have a human and a dog. And the dog's role is to bite the human if he or she ever tries to do anything. <laughs> um, right? So... So, you know, so that's a system where we sort of pretend we have, you know, to have human oversight because it gives us that sort of warm, fuzzy feeling. But in fact, it's the algorithm in charge. So longer term, I, I can see that happening where we have systems that are completely run by algorithms. Okay, right now I'm feeling really glad that I have a cat and not a dog. You know, another thing that where there's been a lot of talk lately is the AI Bill of Rights. What's your take on that in governing these various kinds of new technology? My concern is that we're putting the Bill of Rights, maybe maybe we're putting the cart before the horse. Maybe we should be thinking about the Bill of Liabilities first, right? Because to me, those are the more immediate 
risks with AI is like, who's responsible when stuff goes out of control and when stuff goes wrong? Because it will go wrong occasionally. Uh, so who's responsible? Is it the designer of the algorithm? Is it the algorithm? Like, you know, can you actually hold an algorithm responsible for uh, something? But I can imagine situations where an AI sort of evolves on its own. It mutates. And then it does something crazy or nasty or evil, right? And at that point, you've got to ask yourself, who's responsible for that? Is it the algorithm? Is it a human? Which human? You know, because the machine could have evolved from several different parts that were designed by multiple humans, right? So it sounds crazy. It sounds like science fiction, but I suspect we're closer to that than we might realize. So Vasant, you talk about these difficult situations or cases where a machine may cause great harm. That's also very front and center in the news. And I think it's a concern shared by a lot of people. How do we make sure we're creating technology for the greater good of society? We just have to be vigilant and keep a really close eye on how the technology is developing. But we also need to sort of look ahead into the future and ask ourselves, Where's this going? Like in a few years, where could we be? And can we try and preempt some of these, you know, harms from occurring? So those are the sort of two things I see as being, you know, critically important. It's just vigilance about like what's going on. And then just looking ahead, conjuring up scenarios that could arise and how we should deal with them. At the moment, I don't think our laws are adequate to deal with AI, right? Our laws have been formulated for, you know, during periods when, when you know, technology was developing, uh, but never have we had a, um, you know, a situation where we have a, an entity, it's almost like an alien species that's descended on the planet. And what kinds of laws do we have for, for, for this new species that's arrived? That's a really fascinating way to describe it. It's like a whole new kind of life form. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Jeff Hinton, one of the leaders in the area of deep learning, said it quite well somewhere. He said, it's almost like an alien species has landed on the planet, but we're having a hard time taking it all in because they speak such good English, you know? And I think that really describes it well, uh, that they do speak such good English. We don't really understand how their brains work, even though we design them, right? We don't quite understand you know, how will, how they'll react to certain kinds of situations. So it's almost like we've created this entity that's now capable of behaving in ways that we may not be able to predict. Well, it's an exciting, albeit somewhat scary view, but absolutely something we have to engage with. And the perspective that you added was fantastic, Vasant. Absolutely. There's so much to consider with AI, but at the end of the day, it has huge potential to help us advance both personally and as a society. Pasan, thank you so much for speaking with us and giving us a real eye-opener into the subject. Thanks for the great questions. So now it's time for this week's Money Milestones. Christian, can you point out the major signposts around AI and finance? So this week, I think we need to concentrate on three key points. First, AI has the potential to unlock tremendous untapped potential in almost every aspect of our lives. Look for ways to embrace it in that it makes your life easier and more enjoyable. Secondly, that said, it's critical that the appropriate guardrails be put in place to ensure everyone's data and information is kept safe. Lastly, 
Remember to keep humanity at the heart of this technology. At the end of the day, people are what matters most, and we should all, machines included, play our part in making things better for the people we care about now and for generations to come. Fantastic. So Christian, do you want to tell us what's ahead? Absolutely. In our next episode, we will be exploring how different generations from Gen Z to baby boomers are approaching their financial decision-making priorities and more. And we'll also be talking to Tanya Van Court, who's the founder and CEO of Goal Setter. I can't wait. You've been listening to me, Christian Mitchell. And me, Brian Falchuk, and this was the Financial States of America. Please visit our website, financialstatesofamerica.com, for more podcasts or subscribe to wherever you are listening to this one now. Thanks for listening. Northwestern Mutual is the marketing name for the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company and its subsidiaries in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, including Northwestern Mutual Investment Services, LLC, and Northwestern Mutual Wealth Management Company. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not intended as financial or investment advice. We see your financial representative for specific recommendations to meet your personal needs and objectives. The views and opinions expressed in this program by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Northwestern Mutual. Statistics quoted based upon Northwestern Mutual research. For more details, see northwesternmutual.com. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments carry some level of risk, including loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss.